Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. another episode of that's what people do you are joined by me ryan mcgown and as always james k how you doing buddy i'm very well thank you ryan how are you i am very good yes very good i have nothing else interesting to say other than that um it's quite sad isn't it usually we have big life updates but there's not really much to talk about yeah yeah it, we actually have one of those episodes where we, we can almost just get straight into it because just got nothing to fucking add <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm desperately racking my brains for anything interesting that's happened, but it's just been working, sleeping, eating and pooping. I'm basically was, a dog. What was the last episode we did? That's a fantastic question, and my brain has died. It was um the man ah. who eat the German guy. Armin. Yeah, the cannibal Armin. that you feel sympathy for. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I do, weirdly. Yeah. Um. So what, what I've done is, uh, because I'm sort of writing the episodes uh, uh more at the moment, um, we know that I have a tendency of writing about all the negative, dark, horrible people, and I'm mm. trying to like be fair and not do all of my ep- all the episodes going forward as true crime because this is not a true crime podcast. This is about what people do. This um, is what people so- do. <laughs> That's what people do. Um, uh, so I'm trying to steer clear for from the the bad guys at the moment. Um, so we've got Hitler in this episode, uh- <laughs> <laughs> like the ultimate bad guy. You, yeah. you arguably could not get worse. <laughs> no, uh, yes, this this episode has Hitler in it, but it's not about Hitler. Although he does appear very often and quite a I lot. I think I would argue that without Hitler, this story would not take place. A hundred percent. I think ep- I think he is extremely instrumental in this story. Yes, this episode does not happen without Hitler. So. Thank you. Uh... <laughs> but it's just another episode of TWPD where Hitler is involved somehow. Yeah, yeah. It happens the na- frequently. The Nazis always show up somewhere. 
they do. It's like Indiana Jones. Yeah, I'm. I cannot wait. I know we've said it a few times. I'm not going to be the one to do it. I'm. En- I'm going to end up commissioning someone to do it unless someone is brave enough to message and say, "I'll do it for nothing." Uh, I. I want this timeline, an interactive timeline, where you can like each episode, you can see where it happens and where they overlap with some people. And I'm. I'm so but excited is, to see that one. Right, day. like that. If it existed, that would be amazing. Because in my head, and maybe it's the same in yours, like you click on it and it gives you a bit of information and tells you how it interacts with other stories. And like, that's really cool. But every episode we do, it gets harder and harder and harder because we just add more work. It should, If we did it from episode one, no problem. Mm. But fucking hell, it would be a job now. I don't have the te- technical know-how to be able to do it, but... Uh- I must think it would require me to listen back to every single episode we've ever done, and that would take a long time. Yeah, that would, like, over 140 hours of your life. Yeah, because we don't... I I mean, speaking for myself, uh, I don't have all the scripts from the old days anymore. They're gone. Like, <laughs> So I have mine. The, there was a clear point when I was writing when I migrated from Microsoft Word to Google Drive. Everything that I've written on Google is still there. Everything mm. I did on Microsoft Word is gone, and I like it. It must have been a year, over a year ago now that that happened. But I've mm. still got a bit of a backlog, which is good because it really helps when doing video content. Because fuck researching things again. Yeah, um, we have discussed before, um, so I'd like to put it out to the to the audience, um, whether you guys would like to see our scripts on Patreon, so you can almost read our thoughts when we were writing the episodes. Um, there are a few things that obviously like don't necessarily make it onto the show. For the most part, it is word for word. But like, there'll be a lot that we just think, ah, it's not really worth it. Or there'll be like a thing that I'll be like, oh, I'd like to mention that to James. Or there might even be facts that I'm like, if James asks me the question, I'll have that back backed up, ready to go. That just yeah, don't yeah. get, just don't get make it to air. Um, but if you guys are interested in seeing the scripts and whatnot and reading along sometimes, if like you're listening again, um. Yeah, let us know if you want those, and I'll, I'll I'll whack those onto Patreon. That'd be fun. Um, they are yeah. all there. It's it's interesting as well because I know that me and Ryan do the same. That sometimes we'll be researching and we'll write stuff out, and as we're writing it, we'll be like, "Oh, that's interesting," but I'm not going to write it down. And then we just bring it up as we're reading, just from yeah. memory. So that yeah, that won't be in the script. That'll just be in the episode. In fact, there's stuff in this episode that like I haven't written down, but I've learnt it, and I already know that like yeah, it's yeah. something I'll want to bring up later. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, well, considering Fun. I said we had nothing to say, we've managed to do five minutes. <laughs> we'll always find something. Anyway, yes. to the people that have made it this far, let's crack on. Let's get into it, yes. Uh, so, I'll just get straight into it. We know we know, we love, Ryan loves an intro. This one's actually not as long as it usually is anymore. So, being a local family doctor is a strangely powerful position to hold. You'll know the ins and outs of almost everyone's medical history. Some hold the position for decades, caring for literal generations of one family. And it's likely a humbling position to be in, for so many people to trust you with their deepest and most vulnerable information. And it wouldn't be so far as to say that family doctors can be seen as an extension of the family itself. They know you so well, you cannot hide anything from them. Anyone who works within the medical world is a truly kind soul who only wants to help people. Some are so good at it that they touch the hearts of thousands, and the subject of our episode today is no different. But it was one person in particular whose heart they touched that saved their very own life. So today, meet Edward Bloch, Hitler's Jewish doctor. James, do you have like a family doctor that you've like, had for a long time or anything? So... 
in my youth, yes. Dr. Morgan, still remember his name. He, we have a, a doctor's surgery at the end of our road. Don't even get me started on doctor surgeries now. I can't get an appointment for the fucking life of you, but that's uh. another thing. And like every time we needed him, we, we, we'd go to him. And like if ever you needed to fill out a form, you'd put him down as the, the family doctor. I think he died. He was an old man. I think he died. Um, and now every time I come to a form and it says put down the name of your doctor, don't have a fucking clue. Yeah. Could, I couldn't tell you. I think nowadays you just ring up the GP, you get put with someone anyone who's available and and that's that so no is the answer to that question yeah that is a shame that is a shame that now like it used to be a thing for us that you know you'd have a doctor that looked after your family basically because they they had more community-based doctors that you know but now they've got so big and there's so many people that need a doctor and they don't have enough doctors it was uh, fun fact i actually wrote an intro that sort of talked more about that and i was like ah this is just me moaning about tory government of the last 13 years and not relevant so i got rid of it um but yeah so now before we get into the nitty-gritty with this episode i must confess uh there isn't that much in the way of nitty-gritty here history is written by the big names we know that nobody remembers the loving husband who worked four jobs supporting his family in 1678 and it's very unlikely in a couple of hundred years people will know about two late 20s podcasters they will eventually remember prince andrew though which is unfortunately um (laughs) My point is that there's there's too much on this guy, um, but there are massive like gaps in his history. Um, mm. Now, these gaps will be taken up by the prize prick we know as Adolf Hitler. Um, now, we've done a big old four-part series on Hitler, so I won't go into him too much, but it is a big part of today's story, so I will touch on bits that you'll already be aware of. And if you haven't already listened to the four-part series on Adolf Hitler, go and listen to it, because it's genuinely interesting. And there's a reason why it's four fucking parts. It's long. And the thing is, it was four parts, and that wasn't even including World War Two. We called it a day in 1939. That's a really good point. I forgot that. We didn't even do World War Two. It was just everything of, leading to it. I have often thought of part five should happen at some point, but like that was Hitler's rise to power. Maybe yeah. we can do another series of Hitler like in the war. But again, it, it takes effort. Maybe one day if the people want it. Yeah, well, if you don't know what happened to Hitler, there is a spoiler at the end of this episode, so... Um, yeah if you haven't watched that episode yet yeah now edward bloch was born on the 30th of january 1872 in a town called frauenberg which was at the time a part of the austro-hungarian empire Uh, it's now part of the czech republic and is called chluboka navlatavo i think i nailed that uh, you, you think some Hungarian native is listening to this going, what the fuck is he saying? <laughs> I've even written it out as like to ha- try and help me say it. Hluboka nad, Hluboka nad Vltavo. Anyway. I think, you've given it, I think you've given it a good go from an English person's point of view. I think you've nailed it. Thank you. Now, Edward was the youngest of five children. His family were not well off, but they were comfortable. We would call them upper middle class today. In fact, his grandfather worked for the diplomat Prince Jan Adolf II, and his father is said to have been the first Jewish graduate of the University of Prague. Now, I can't find too much on his early years, but it was a relatively good time to be Jewish at this point in the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Emperor Franz Joseph I had come to his throne in 1848 and was an open ally to the Jewish population. Um, He granted uh, Jewish people uh, equal rights, um, which, as you can imagine, went down very well with the Jewish population. In fact, uh, they wrote songs and prayers about Franz Joseph I and would sing them 
and I think they're still in some prayer books like today uh, because he oh. was almost so just revolutionary considering the time where lots of Jewish what people were seen as other. Yeah. 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 Now, at the time of Edward's birth, there was just over 40,000 Jews living in the capital of Vienna. Over the coming decades, that would swell to near 200,000. So that should give us an inkling as to how good things were improving for the Jewish population in Austria. That's not to say that they didn't receive any trouble, of course. I'm sure they did receive some anti-Semitic abuse here and there, but for the most part, things were on the up. So we fast forward a bit, and Edward is studying medicine at the University of Prague, the same as his father. Once he graduates, he joins the Austrian army as a medical officer, and in 1899 is stationed in the city of Linz, Austria. Now, from what I could gather too, there was a mandatory military conscription, so his service was relatively short. Because I kept seeing that he'd like he joined in like 1899, and he was discharged by 1901-1902, and I'm like, that's not long. Most people, if they join the military, they join for a long time and they serve yeah. until war or something. But turns out, I had a little look. There were a lot of wars uh, around sort of the late 1800s in like Europe and whatnot, all inter fighting and going overseas and all this kind of shit. Um, and it just turns out the Austro-Hungarian Empire had like a standing army constantly on rotate. So everyone had sense. to sort do like their service. National service. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so like a national service. Yeah. So, like I say, by 1901, 1902, almost 30 years old, Edward is discharged from the military and decides to open up his own medical practice in the city of Linz. He's like, no, nah, I'm setting up shop here. I quite like it. I'm going to stay here. Now, by 1903, he's married to his wife, Lily, and they have a daughter named Gertrude or known as Trude. Edward seems to have been a genuinely nice man. Over the years practising, he had established a good reputation of a man who was more concerned with helping people than extracting money from them for his services. It's important to remember that nowhere in the world had a universal healthcare system at this time. The very first one to ever exist, the NHS in the UK, wouldn't be established for another 40-odd years. So doctors had to make money like everyone else, and if you wanted to see one, you had to pay for it. I've always found that such a weird notion that that was once a thing, especially for us in the UK, who are, you know, other than a doc, other than a dentist, you don't pay for nothing. I mean, in, even in some so-called developed countries now, you still have to pay, so it's wild. Um, yeah. That, that is my, I remember watching, what was I watching? It must have been like Call the Fucking Midwife or something like back in the day when it was set in the 20s and there was people queuing outside because the hospital hadn't opened yet. Like, what do you mean it hasn't opened? Oh, it opens at 9am. That uh. used to be a thing. Hospitals had an opening time. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, I cracked my head open. Oh, the hospital don't open for the five hours. Yeah, that's Healthcare was, uh, was not good. But then also if you delve back into healthcare, like just some of the methodology as well was just not good, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, humours and all that sort of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When were leeches fucking outlawed? When did they stop doing that? They still use leeches now and then. Really? Yeah, I know that in Wales there's a big leech farm uh, market where they literally grow them and sell them to the NHS and stuff. There's a big market for them over there, apparently. That is wild. I can't see any benefit of that, but I didn't study medicine, so don't listen to me. Yeah. Now, for Edward, it seems that he did it the right way. His wealthier patients paid full whack, but his poorer patients who either couldn't afford his fees or straight up had no money at all would often get a reduced rate or he wouldn't charge them at all for his services, which is really nice of him because healthcare is for everyone. 
That's such a good way of doing it. Like, look, bro, you got the money, just fucking pay. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, don't. Now, it was this reputation that in 1904 bagged him a new patient. A patient who would dictate whether Edward lived or died. That patient was a 15-year-old Adolf Hitler. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> he needs theme music. I'll put theme music in there. <laughs> <laughs> Hitler's mother Clara had made an impassioned plea to Edward to come and see her son who was bedridden due to a very bad chest ailment. Now, he saw the boy and made sure that the family had everything they needed. Now, I don't know what he would have charged them, but Clara had just lost her husband, Alois, Hitler's dad, a year previous, and she was certainly struggling to make ends meet. We do know that Edward would become the family doctor for the Hitlers, since he would later say that he treated young Hitler for coughs, colds and tonsillitis. So it's probably fair to say that Edward, whether he gave them a discount or not, was an affordable option as a doctor for the Hitlers. Also, I quite like saying the Hitlers because that was the family. It sounds name. like a sitcom, like yeah. keeping up with the Hitlers. Keep it up with because the Hitlers. You, know, you, you never see, like, you don't think of him as a family man, do you? Like, it's really weird. It's it's hard to imagine him as a child. Yeah, yeah. Because how can how can this person that went on to do unspeakable horrors have, have been a child, be so innocent and playing and like you imagine him like fucking Damien from The Omen? Yes, yes. Well, funny enough, um, Edward said about young Hitler, quote, As a youth, he was quiet, well-mannered and neatly dressed. He waited patiently in the waiting room until it was his turn. Then, like every other 14 or 15-year-old boy, he bowed as a sign of respect and always thanked the doctor politely. Like many other youngsters of Linz, he wore short lederhosen and a green woolen hat with a feather. He was tall and pale and looked older than his age. His eyes, which he inherited from his mother, were large, melancholic and thoughtful. To a very large extent, this boy lived within himself. What dreams he dreamt, I do not know. How different could things have been if he was sort of... If Obviously, we know how he sort of got to power if things just transpired a little bit differently. Yeah, I, we, we talk about it a little bit later on, obviously. Um, if I, I wonder if his mother was around longer in his life. Um, she might have had a better impact on him. Um, mm. I don't know. I don't know. But like I say, like we sort of going back to the same the Hitlers. Hitler's got sisters and like siblings, and you forget yeah. about that. And they're around during the Second World War. Some of them had already emigrated to America. Like I know he has a nephew and a sister that like live in America. Um, but he has like a sister that lives in Austria and always did like during the war and everything. She's just in Austria. <laughs> chilling out and she still had the name hitler at the time god you'd change that immediately wouldn't you she does eventually yeah yeah now by 1906 the hitlers would be needing the aid of edward again clara had discovered a lump in her breast but chose to ignore it now it's likely she just thought i've got too much on i don't need to worry about this right now it's the least of my problems but Nowadays, we're very aware of our breasts and balls. We're always being told to check them for irregular lumps and things like that. But like back then, it just likely wasn't common knowledge. If she thought she heard, saw it, felt it, was like, ah, whatever, it'll probably go. Whereas now, yeah. we'd be like, straight away, let's go to the doctor and go get that checked out. Yeah. By, 19, by January of 1907, she finally consulted with Edward, who diagnosed her with breast cancer. This next bit is a bit weird, if I'm honest. All accounts that I've found so far say that Edward told the 18-year-old Adolf about his mother's diagnosis before he told her, and he left him to tell his mother. 
Now, I don't know why this would be a thing. The only thing I can think of is that maybe he saw Adolf as being the man of the household because he doesn't have a dad. So he's the I man of the so, household, yeah. therefore it's his job to tell his mum. But I just think that's a bit weird if that is true. No, that does seem weird. I think the man of the household's a good explanation. I'm sure doctors as well have like a certain thing where they can't tell other people other people's medical information. Yeah, but maybe that man of the household thing just changed that and that didn't didn't work in that sense. No, yeah. You'd be I like, well, the you're likely. the man, you're entitled to know. But like, yeah, your mother has breast cancer, you should probably tell her. It's like, no, bro, you tell her, you're the doctor. Yeah, and I what? think your your explanation is true. What a thing to put on this like 18-year-old boy. Like, oh yeah, by the way, can you let your mum know? <laughs> Surprisingly, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm struggling to feel sympathy for him for whatever reason. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's something that happens in the future, I don't know, but I'm, I'm struggling. Oh dear, you felt sympathy for a cannibal. You can't feel sympathy for an 18-year-old who hasn't done anything yet. Right, let, let's con- contextualise this. <laughs> Hitler. I can't feel sorry for Hitler. No, I can't. <laughs> This little boy wearing later hosens and a, and a hat I couldn't with a give feather a shit. I couldn't. He he lost all that right of sympathy. <laughs> he has gone. Either way, when Clara found out about her diagnosis, the family were devastated. While there were treatments for cancer, they were not a very effective ones. In fact, today, fifty percent of all cancer patients survive in the UK today. So you can imagine the mortality rate back then. 50%, that's half, man. And that's of all cancers, like not just breast okay. cancer. That's all yeah, cancers yeah. that we get diagnosed with in the UK. 50% of people that get them do survive. Uh, and yeah. when they say survive, live longer than 10 years after the diagnosis thing. So right, okay. uh, long enough to say that's not what killed them vibe. Um, right. So yeah, you can imagine how like back then as well, it'd be like mm, probably less than 10% maybe. Um, yeah, it'd be a death sentence. Yeah. Edward recalled that Hitler was, quote, the saddest man I'd ever seen when his mother was diagnosed. You still don't feel sympathy. Come on, man. <laughs> oh, I feel sorry for his mum. That's what I feel sorry for. You know, it's funny as well. Uh, I don't know if this is kind of relevant. But, like, Edward is Jewish himself. And he's like, yeah, he feels a bit of sympathy. He wrote this, like, after he, like, escapes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We'll Poor talk about fucking Adolf. My, Poor my, Adolf. My tiny violin is going crazy. <laughs> I want to put a tiny violin on these moments. <laughs> Edward attempted to treat Clara by offering her a mastectomy. He later said of this, quote, Clara Hitler accepted the verdict as I was sure she would with fortitude. Deeply religious, she assumed that her fate was God's will. It would never occur to her to complain. Unfortunately, during the procedure, Edward discovered that her cancer had already spread and was near inoperable. Hitler was in Vienna at the time, and when he heard word that his mother's cancer was terminal, he moved back home to be with her. It was also the year that he was rejected from the Academy of Fine Arts in Vienna. Oh. I've definitely said this before when we did our four-part series on Hitler, but I think his artwork's actually quite good. No, this is the thing, yeah. You see images of it, you're like, wow, whoever did this is talented, like Hitler. <laughs> mm, if you're interested in anything like that we do have an article of can you separate the art from the artist maybe that one's a stretch but yeah yeah <laughs> he was he was quite good at painting yeah i've got a bad thing with that i like hitler's paintings i like gary glitter's music <laughs> maybe yeah put, you just like the fucking I'm, drama that's around i'm gonna it. put a youtube video of all of mason greenwood's goals <laughs> <laughs> oh so, dear soon there'll be more to add because manchester united will have like you know a potential yeah, domestic abuse thing, person back <laughs> that that that's fucking wild. I don't it's know how weird. they're getting away with that. Now, 
By October of 1907, 18-year-old Hitler begged Edward to try something, anything, to help his terminally ill mother. Edward had one thing left to try, an experimental form of chemotherapy, which was very dangerous. For the next 46 days, Edward performed daily treatments of iodoform. He'd reopen Clara's mastectomy incisions and place gauze soaked in iodine, which is an irradiated element, into the wound. The theory was that the radiation would deteriorate the cancer. Now, we know this today as chemotherapy, and we've mm. got a hell of a lot better at administering and using different methods to do it. And this was just a completely barbaric fucking way of administering. He's opened up her mastectomy wounds and he's just putting this shit in her chest. And it's yeah. irradiated shit. It's just making her more sick, really. It could work. It had worked before for some people, but this is bad. It's yeah, not good. That sounds that sounds painful. It was an excruciatingly painful procedure that Clara took in her stride. She was so poorly that she could hardly walk anymore. In fact, became bedridden. She was kept near the kitchen because that was one of the warmest parts of their apartment. And Hitler would bear to Hitler Hitler couldn't bear to see the pain that his mother was in. He even took up the household chores of cleaning, cooking, and even got on his hands and knees to scrub the floors, which you can't imagine, can you? You can't imagine that. Just scrubbing the deck. <laughs> uh, d- d- does this contextualise why he was such an angry man? I Obviously, think, there's more. I there's think more stuff that happens, but I think it explains the salute because he's like scrubbing the floor like that. <laughs> oh yeah, it's just it's fucking muscle memory. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he, it just sounds to me because obviously he got the Treaty of Versailles that happens and and loads of other stuff. Um, so that made him angry. But it seems like he was angry at this point anyway because his dad had gone. His mom had got cancer. Maybe he was just really angry at the world. Well, as we because he had no fucking problem killing other people's mothers. <laughs> as we know, Hitler wasn't that bothered by his dad being dead because his dad was an arsehole. Um, yeah. He was very much into his mum. Like, he loved his mum big time. She was a big, big influence on him. She, she like, took him out of school when he's ill, when he's, like, 14, 15. And she was like, look, if you want to do art stuff fucking do art stuff so she like she embraced him to do all of his art things that's why he goes off to vienna to like try art because his dad who was in the um he does like uh customs and things like that he's like a customs border yeah, yeah, guy yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah. and his dad was like you're following my footsteps and he's like i don't want to do that i'm an artsy guy i want to express myself dad and he was like no you can't and he's like pirouetting into his bedroom being you don't understand me um but his mom was like big into it she's like yeah fucking do it bro like go for it um so he proper loves his mum maybe this is an advert for be strict with your kids otherwise they might start the nazi party well just be careful with your theatrical kids let them don't let them express themselves too much because then they become hitler yeah keep a rein on it a little bit if they get rejected from school just really fucking keep a close eye and that would be hard if your kid wants to be in the acting industry because they're going to get a lot of rejection because i'm telling you now your kid is not good at acting yeah, it's, I wish someone told my parents that. It's just rejection after rejection after rejection. <laughs> but have I started a political party to enslave millions? No, I haven't. No. So no, that's, a, no. that's a win. But your kid is not going to be an actor. I'm telling you now. Your kid won't be. <laughs> Unless your kid is like Margot Robbie, they're not going to be an actor. <laughs> but this this is really sad. Like I've often thought this is such a fucking side notion but like, i've often thought that if i have a kid god forbid and they come up to me and say i want to do an acting course for context i have done one so i am allowed to say this i think i'd just sigh 
Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't stop them because I, who am I to stand in the way of someone doing what they want? <sighs> but I'd also be like, bro, you've really got to... Like, I had to go back and fork out another £12,000 for a master's degree <laughs> because I fuck, because I, my first degree was pointless. It's yeah. a bit of paper on a wall. Yeah. If you want to do acting, in my humble opinion, you don't need the degree to go with it. It's great for networking and making connections. But if you're good at it, you're good at it. If you're not, you're not. Yeah, I think if, if my kid comes up to me and says, Dad, I really want to do acting, I'd be like, right, cool. You can do it as like maybe an after schools club or you can do it in your spare time as a hobby or you can maybe do it as GCC, but you are doing other things and you have to be performing on your grades. If you're not, you're not doing it. Yeah, but it makes it, it's, it's a really sad conversation because all it says to me is that we tried and didn't it didn't succeed. Whereas I know for a lot, of, this is a thing, I know for a few people that it really has succeeded. I know for the most people that I've been in and around in the acting courses, it has not succeeded. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the sad thing. And you the, see people in their 30s doing jobs that they fucking hate. Yeah, and but it's this just, is, where, where this did is it go the reality. Wrong? This is the reality. So if you're listening, guys, and you've got, a, you got a, a, a child that wants to do it or a sibling or whatever, listen, James and I have both been through it. And not that we're bitter or anything, but like there are so many people that were on my course that were better than I was and have gotten nowhere. It's oversaturated. There are so many people that want to do it. And I'm not joking. Half the problem is if you don't look the part, you're not going to get the part. It doesn't matter how oh, good a million you are. Percent. So, yep. you know, what ends up happening is you end up creating a podcast or starting a political party because <laughs> no one likes your art. So, yeah, that's some what of Hitler the best have actors, done. Like some of the best actors I have ever met are, have got nowhere. And like, so, so I'm not going to lie. Some of the people that I knew that were fucking good have got places and like they absolutely deserve it. But then there's also some people who in my humble opinion don't deserve it and they weren't very good mm. and they have got somewhere and it's kind of like it's just fucking luck really what you look like it's this is a massive tangent and i think i've really having a bit of an existential crisis here but i had to go away and, and do a master's to undo the fucking years of shit that i went through <laughs> Who was it that um? Who was it that messaged us recently? And they were like, because we were talking about our tangents, and we we're like, should we just try and stop these? And they're like, no, it's it's a fantastic insight into like the fucking ADHD mind. <laughs> yeah, and I think this is this comp- tangent right here is an insight into how this podcast started. Yeah. I think we were both just frustrated that we weren't getting anything. Yeah. Uh, so we thought, anyway. fuck it, we'll do it ourselves. Anyway, well, carry on. If you want, uh, if your kid wants to do acting, do acting is yeah. what I'd do. But just ha- keep an eye on it. Don't be a come and Nazi. Let him, have, let him have a backup. Um, anyway, where were we? Right, Clara's having her double her her mastectomy incisions, her her chemotherapy shit, and it's making her really really poorly. Hitler's scrubbing floors. That's right. Um, there now, he is. Unfortunately, the treatment didn't work, but it was never going to work. Right, her cancer completely metastasized. It was really bad. She was going to die. It was terminal. Clara Hitler would die from the procedure on December the twenty first, nineteen oh seven, aged forty seven. She was, and that's quite young. 47 is actually really young. 47 is young, yeah, yeah. She was buried a few days later, and on Christmas Eve, Hitler and his sisters went to Edward's clinic to settle their fee. Now, I'm not entirely sure why he did this. Maybe it was because it was Christmas and the Hitler family had already been through enough, but Edward refused to charge the family. Now, it was widely reported that Hitler said to him, quote, I shall be grateful to you forever. Now, we know that Hitler was absolutely devastated by the death of his mother. They were very close. Edward said of their relationship, quote, While Hitler was not a mother's boy in the usual sense, I never witnessed a closer attachment. 
Their love had been mutual. Clara Hitler adored her son. She allowed him his own way wherever possible. For example, she admired his watercolour paintings and drawings and supported his artistic ambitions in opposition to his father at what cost to herself, one may guess. Hitler would go on to Munich to try their art school there and while there sent back Edward a postcard expressing once again his gratitude to Edward for all he did for his mother. In fact, he even sent them lots of handmade gifts and a large wall painting he did himself. Unfortunately, this painting no longer exists. Edward's oh, that'd be said, worth so much money. Yeah, Edward's daughter said that over time it just got lost, um, which is a How did you lose shame. Hitler's painting? I don't that's a collectible. Know. Even, the second he became anyone, that's a collectible. Yeah, for sure. In fact... Uh, later on we'll find out um the gestapo are like have you got any of hitler's old shit and he's like no <laughs> so if he had <laughs> it like, he'd have handed it over i'm sure there's rules nowadays about hitler's artwork isn't there because like you're not allowed to make any money out of it oh really i think that's the rule you can't make any money out of it oh like mein Kampf, i'm not sure oh wait you can buy mein Kampf, but oh wait so if i think it's something to do if you make if you buy hitler's gear and it goes to like a jewish charity or something like that it goes to charity i mean that makes sense. One of the funniest videos I've ever seen is a kid opening a birthday present and it's Mein Kampf and his granddad's got him. And his the, the dad's like, no, he said Minecraft, not Mein Kampf. And the granddad's there's like, oh, dad, I don't fucking know what Minecraft is. I thought he said Mein Kampf. That's great. I love the idea of it being a, it's just the camera turns and it's just a German granddad. Just like... <laughs> No, it is. The whole family's oh, German. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and the boys there, like what? The, and the hit the uh, front cover is just Hitler's face, massive. Like Mike, oh, it's so funny. I'll send it to you afterwards. That is good. Now that would be the last time that Hitler and Edward communicated before Hitler's life changed forever. I won't get into it all because, like I said, we have a four-part series on Hitler, and I would highly recommend you go and listen to it. But in short, Archduke Franz Ferdinand is shot, leading to Austria declaring war on Serbia, Germany declaring war on Russia and France, Britain declaring war on Germany. Austria declaring war on Russia, Japan, for some reason, declaring war on Germany and Austria, (laughs) (laughs) and Austria declaring war on Japan. World War I begins, and Hitler joins the Bavarian army, serving with the German army. When I was was like, right, what was the order again? Who did what? And then I was like, oh yeah, I forgot Japan was in the First World War. Why? They were desperate for an empire, weren't they? They yeah, just wanted it, to be a part of it. it. I think it was a case of we need to be a part of this to be recognised as something, but that's for another episode. Yeah. When we did Unit 731. Ooh, that might oh, be yeah. a Halloween episode. That'd be cool. Europe is rendered a heap of mud, blood and bones, and Hitler is injured during a gas attack, leaving him partially deaf and blind. In a hospital, he learns that Germany has signed an armistice and the war is over. Edward's war was a busy one too. He re-enlisted as a medic and served at the same hospital in Linz where he was posted to almost two decades before. He was the head doctor uh, and his wife also volunteered with the Red Cross. I quite like that she did that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she could have just worked for him, but she didn't. She worked for the Red Cross in international Got to do your bit. Yeah. yeah. Like, almost not taking a side because Austria was definitely a part of the Axis at the time. And yeah. she's like, no, nah, I'm yeah. part of the Red Cross. Now, after the war, he was appointed health advisor, a new title for those who excelled during the war. And for the next two decades, things were going pretty peacefully for Edward and his family. He was getting on with being a good doctor, helping those that need it most. During the 30s, there was word of unsettling things across the border in their cousin country, Germany. 
But that was Germany's problem for now. Surely things wouldn't affect Edward in Austria. But rather worryingly, there was a growing desire for Austria to join Germany and become one. For many pro-Austrian people, this was a concern. But for the Austrian Jews, it was a life-threatening prospect. Germany was not subtle about its dislike of the Jewish population within its borders and pondered the answer to the Jewish question. Austria, officially having no issue with the Jewish population, weren't fans of Nazism growing within their borders. The Austrian Chancellor Schuschnigg started to arrest all known Austrian Nazis. Hitler obviously didn't take to it too well. He was making claims that Germans and Austrians were one in the same, there was no reason for them to have a separate border, and for the Habsburg dynasty and the Austrian government to deny this, they were effectively holding hostage 10 million ethnic Germans. They needed to join Germany, or they would liberate their German brothers and sisters. Which, if I'm honest, sounds suspiciously similar to Mr Putin talking about Ukraine. Yeah, it does, to be fair. And he's got the cheek to call Zelensky a Nazi when he's literally spouting the same shit Hitler used to say. Like, oh, bro, we're, we're all brothers and sisters. We're all of the same race. Come on, let's just not... What what the fuck is this border about? Come yeah. on, bro. That whole, that, it's got very quiet recently, hasn't it, Ukraine? But, like, one thing I do find really funny is that Mark Hamill did an interview with some Ukrainian soldiers. And, obviously, he's supporting them. The majority of the West is supporting Ukraine. And behind the soldiers was a massive Nazi flag. What? Massive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, but it's not like it wasn't the swastika. It was, it was a Nazi symbol that was on a flag, and like, but obviously everyone jumped on that and was like, oh, but the Ukrainians are Nazis. I have no doubts that there are Nazis within Ukraine. Like that is sure. a fact. Equally, they exist in Russia. Using it as an excuse is is bollocks. Eastern Europe is a cesspit of racism. It always has been. Isn't isn't the is it the Azov? Uh, apologies if I'm getting it wrong um, for our Ukrainian listeners because there are some. Um, isn't isn't it the Azov battalion are the ones that are, that are very right wing? They don't oh, like Zelensky and all this stuff, but they're fighting because they're Ukrainian at the end of the day, and they'll do what they need to do to protect Ukraine. Um, but yeah. they are very right wing. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you whether Zelensky himself is right wing racist. I don't think so. I like I. I think he's pretty progressive. Um, he was a fucking comedian for God's sakes. But yeah, most but yeah, comedians Putin's... and actors are very left wing, very liberal yeah, yeah, yeah. people. But Putin spouts off some fucking shit, and then you get the Wagner Group, who like literally their symbol was what a skull and crossbones or a skull and swords or whatever. Like, come on, it's like that yeah. fucking Mitchell and Webb look sketch yes. where the Nazis, the SS, just stand in there. It's like, are we the baddies? We've got a skull and crossbones on our hat. <laughs> I'm sure a German at some point had that thought and was like, what What are we doing here? Yeah, yeah. No, this looks a bit sure. sus. It does look sus. You'd be like, but we look cool. <laughs> oh, I'm, I will fight to the death anyone that says the Germans weren't the best dressed soldiers in World War Two because they were. Because Hugo Boss arguably, was behind that. Arguably in history. Yeah, it wasn't very practical though, and that's sort of why they lost in Russia because they just froze to death. You know that but every German they look mom, good. Every German mum when they saw their boy and he's like SS uniform, he's like fucking German military gear, and they were like, "You look so handsome." <laughs> <laughs> and he probably did. That, went, those suits I were do. sharp. Do you know yeah. what is funny as well? This this is tangential. Um, but I was watching, um, doing research for this. Right, there was this. There's this one guy who's on a poster as like the beautiful Aryan soldier, right? And he's you know he's perfectly like white. He's got big wide eyes. He's got his helmet on. It's black and white, but he, he's just just like a handsome man. And he's a he's a yeah. photo of an actual dude. 
and they were like they put this poster up as him being like the the ideal german soldier and it turns out that he was like half jewish <laughs> so oh. when they found out they were like get rid of it take it down <laughs> christ that's embarrassing for them i know right um i don't really understand where the hype of the aryan race came from though i'm sure there's reasoning for it it's something to do with like proper being germanic norwegian nordic people but it's like, like you, you know how hitler wanted the german men to like reproduce with like scandinavian women because they're blonde hair blue eyes i bet the german men heard that i was like oh well if if we must yeah yeah yeah, so, yeah. come on then yeah especially when they were like because women got like medals and shit for however many kids they had wasn't it yeah yeah, yeah. Just and like if you up. could have you could, if you could have eight kids you won the game and you got like the biggest medal from hitler and like a signed mind camp book and all this kind of shit and like, all these he men was in it for the long like, game wasn't he oh 100 percent. yeah he won it a thousand year reich didn't he yeah Anyway, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It must have been a really weird thing for Edward to be aware of at this point, right? Here was a man who he'd known since he was a boy, an Austrian pretending to be German, saying awful things about Jewish people and threatening to come into his country. Now, Hitler met with Austrian Chancellor Schuschnigg and demanded that all imprisoned Nazis be released and that he resigns, appointing a Nazi sympathiser in his place. Schuschnigg, as I bet you're surprised to learn, refused to resign, but he did make concessions releasing many Nazis who were given powerful positions in government. At this point, Hitler's in. Yeah. Schuschnigg attempted to set up a referendum for the Austrian people to say, look, do you want to be part of Germany or not? But days before, fearing an armed invasion, he resigned. One of the last official statements to the Austrian people was to not engage militarily. Now, I don't know whether this was the right thing to do or not, but I'm kind of leaning to it is the right thing to do, mainly because I'm wondering whether he saw the writing on the wall. He knew that an armed invasion was happening. Germany would come in by force, whether he said it, like, whether they liked it or not. What he was trying to do, I think, was just save lives and say, look, don't don't fight. Just let it happen. Like, if it's going to yeah, happen, it's going to happen. You have to remember as well, like, Austria as a nation on its own at this point is actually really young. You've got the Austrian-Hungarian Empire, but Austria as one nation on its own now is tiny and also very young. Not many people have that sort of inbuilt patriotism towards the nation yet because it's not been around long enough yet. So there are a lot yeah, of people some of them that will see still themselves as beef because of the First World War. Absolutely. A lot of people still saw themselves as just being ethnically German and it made sense to join up with Germany. And if you remember, like, 
I think like 100, 200 years ago or something before that, not long ago, they were part of the Holy Roman Empire, which was just a fuckload of German states altogether. So, yeah, this there wasn't that big a call. Like, there is in Ukraine now. People are very patriotic about Ukraine and it's their nation and they've got an identity now, whereas back then they just kind of didn't have it. Although Shushnik yeah. did try, before he resigned and said, don't bother, he was like red white red that is the fucking colors of our flag and that's what we should stand behind and it just didn't work like people weren't that bothered yeah they probably I just find that germany would germany would just flatten them like blitzkrieg the fuck out of them it would yeah. be over very quickly yeah and do you know what it I, I'm, I'm inclined to say it kind of worked although many 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 austrians joined the german army and fought as germans uh, austria as a nation um infrastructure wise came out of the war relatively unscathed and I wonder whether it was part of that. This was part of the reason. Now, a pro-Nazi chancellor was brought in, and on March the twelfth, nineteen thirty-eight, the border was opened. Known as the Anschluss, the Germans annexed Austria with next to no resistance. For Edward and other Jewish people, this was a terrifying time. His daughter, along with her husband, would eventually flee to the USA to settle in New York, like many other European Jews in the thirties. Hitler made a beeline for his birthplace and the city of Linz. There was a huge procession, and Edward saw it all from his apartment window. In fact, he recalls it in, in this uh, little block of statement here. Quote, Soon the procession arrived, the great black Mercedes car, a six-wheeled affair flanked by motorcycles. The frail boy I had treated so often, and whom I had not seen for thirty years, stood in the car. I had accorded him only kindness... What was he now to do to the people I loved? I peered over the heads of the crowd at Adolf Hitler. It was a moment of tense excitement. For years, Hitler had been denied the right to visit the country of his birth. Now that country belonged to him. The elation that he felt was written on his features. He smiled, waved, gave the Nazi salute to the people that crowded the street. Then, for a moment, he glanced up at my window. I doubt that he saw me, but he must have had a moment of reflection. Here was the home of the Edelude, who had diagnosed my mother's fatal cancer. Here was the consultation room of the man who had treated his sisters. Here was the place he had gone as a boy to have his minor ailments attended. It was a brief moment, then the procession was gone. What are like a, a weird moment in your life? It's, it's, it, coming from it from like Hitler's point of view, <clears throat> like he's still a guy that has experienced things and as you do when you go back to like the house you were born in whatever these memories come flooding back so he would have been having that exact same like memory flashback i I wonder whether he went back to his old apartment that he scrubbed the floors of and just maybe you know it. it it still stands today really that home the home that he grew up in and where his mother died that's still i think not not the one his mother died in, but a home that he grew up in. That still stands today. You can go visit That's it. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. That would have been a weird moment for the doctor, though. Because, at, like like he said, he's, he's been nothing but kind to Hitler and his family. And all of a sudden, this man just rolls into your country, threatening mm. death upon the Jewish people, which he was. Yeah. That would yeah. be, be so jarring. Because you'd want... I think the instinct would be you'd want to talk to him because you know him as a yeah. person. But, yeah. like, how the fuck can you... How, how do you get to him? Exactly. Now, Edward, for whatever reason, did not flee Austria with his daughter, but he had naught to fear. Hitler had not forgotten where his gratitude lie. In 1937, he had inquired about Edward, wondering if he was still around. 
He even spoke about him publicly, labelling him as an Edelyud, or noble Jew. He said that, quote, if all Jews were like him, there would be no Jewish question. Now, with the Nazis... God, I feel like you had something to say. No, I'm just like, what the the fuck is this man on about? Like, what Jews did he meet that weren't nice? Yeah. Or did he just fucking hear something on the street? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got a moment later to talk about the idiocy of racism. Um, Yeah, good. Now, with the Nazis now in power, new laws prohibiting Jews from their human rights and owning businesses were enacted. Overnight, Edward lost his clinic and livelihood. Um, Mainly because, as well, all... It was made a law. Uh, Jew- Jewish doctors could only treat Jewish people. They were no longer allowed to treat normal Austrians. Um, so, like, that was okay for a time because, you know, there were lots of people still. But then it got to a point where, like, there were no Jews left in Linz. And so Edward oh. is just like, I have no one left to fucking yeah, it's care got for. Business. Edward wrote a letter to Hitler. Now, I'm not sure whether he thought it would actually get to Hitler, or even if it did, uh, would he even care? Um, But Hitler did not forget where his gratitude lie. He personally sought to Edward's protection. Nobody was allowed to touch him, he was allowed to keep his practice, and for the most part was to be left alone. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the Gestapo turned up at his door a few times, but they were always pleasant enough. In fact, they only ever asked that Edward hand over any previous correspondence and gifts that the Fuhrer would have given him before he came the Hitler. Because you can't have a Jew going around saying, oh, I was a friend of Hitler's. Yeah. That's not going to that's not gonna fly. No, that, that won't fly. And for the most part, yes, he, yeah, he had to comply. He handed everything over. But like I say, uh, they were always kind of really nice to him, um, and that's mm. because they were forced to. Now, it must have been a hard time for Edward and his wife. Everywhere they looked, Jews were being treated awfully by people who just mere weeks ago were neighbours, work colleagues and even friends. Jewish people's businesses were destroyed. They were beaten and forced to scrub the streets on their hands and knees. Then there's Edward and his wife who were allowed to go about their business undisturbed. The sheer guilt that they must have felt. They can't say anything or this sort of special status that they have could be just stripped away. Edward and his wife remained in their home of Linz for three years under Nazi occupation, completely undisturbed thanks to Hitler's personal orders. And Jewish people at the time all had their passports confiscated, but Edward and his wife were allowed to have theirs renewed again and again. He was even allowed to put up some displaced Jews for a time before they were like, look, come on, hand them over. (laughs) Yeah. Now, the Holocaust in Austria was almost total. By 1942, the population of Jewish Austrians had fallen from over 200,000 to around 5,000, with 65,000 people murdered by the Nazi regime. Yeah. Now, that's obviously a huge number that is very difficult to comprehend in our minds. So, to try and visualise that number, um, it's a... Like, imagine, like, a, a, a Premier League football stadium and just fill it with everyone and then just immediately wipe them out like that yeah like my my team west ham if anyone if you're from like the if you're not from the uk google the london stadium and fill it with everyone and then just wipe it off the map that's about seventy thousand people yeah scary now despite his protected status it was probably a lingering thought in the back of his mind that this could all change in a second Hitler only needs to rescind his promise and Edward along with his wife will be on the first train to a concentration camp. He also likely felt immense guilt at seeing his fellow Jew being systematically slaughtered and yet he was able to live a comfortable life. In fact, 
he was probably seen as a bit of a villain by some. In fact, there are many stories of Jewish people collaborating with the Nazis in the hope that they would be exempt, only to be put on a train the very next day once they'd served their purpose. For Edward, it was time. He wanted out. He managed to get word to Hitler's own sister Clara, who was living in Vienna, with a request to leave. He hoped that Clara would help. He never heard back, but mysteriously, Hitler allowed for this to happen and put Martin Bormann, his very own personal assistant, in charge of making the arrangements. He was ordered to make this process as easy as possible for Edward. He was allowed to sell his property at market value, which was unheard of during this time because all Jewish properties were sold at tokenistic prices, just mere pennies, but all sold legally. I find that a fascinating thing because in other places that necessarily wasn't that wasn't necessarily the case. In like the Czech Republic, there's a thing now. If you want to buy a house in the Czech Republic, you have to go for a lot of hoops to find out whether that house was actually previously owned by anyone, uh, because they just kicked out so many people and then let other people live in them that um, they've obviously been passed down the family for a while but if they're trying to be sold and you try and buy them you've got to hope yeah. that no one actually has like a historic legal claim to the home and um, so, so there's a lot of trying to like find that still so it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really fascinating edward was also allowed to take with him some valuables and more money than any other jew was allowed to take with them when they left the country in fact the nazis imposed a heavy tax i think it was called the, the, the reich flight tax and it was like mm. a massive, like, if you want to leave the country, you better pay us some big fucking bucks. So basically it meant that most Jewish people were penniless by the time they left the country. Um, yeah. And as far as I know, Edward was exempt from this. Um, now, I, I want to make clear as well, like, where Hitler's a part of this story, he's not in the sense that, like, he's directly communicating with Hitler, being like, oh, help me out, geese. That's none of that. Um, but as Edward would put it, um, Hitler gives him favours. So it's like he's still Jewish at the end of the day. Hitler knows that. So he won't let him, he doesn't need, he, like he's still going to like struggle with a business, but he's allowed to like keep his apartment or, you know, he's allowed to go about his daily thing. Like for instance, Jewish people weren't allowed to shop at a particular time because they had a big J on their like fucking ration card or something and they were only allowed to shop at particular times. He didn't have to abide by that rule. So he could shop at normal times with everyone else and get the good stuff before it all ran out because they were rationing. Um, yeah. and it's things like this so like as well when he leaves the country Jewish people were only allowed 10 Reichmarks he was allowed 16 so it's right. favours that Edward says that he gives him um, but they're favours that you know save his life yeah pretty cushy in the grand scheme of things really yeah in October of 1940 he was given problem free passage to Portugal which was a neutral country during the war there they booked themselves onto a ship and headed to New York to re reunite with his daughter and live a peaceful life. Funny enough, because his immigration was a legal one and that was processed by the Nazis themselves, the Americans knew all about Edward coming over and the minute he set foot on American soil, he was detained by the OSS, the precursor to the CIA. They were very curious as to why Hitler allowed this one Jewish guy to emigrate to the USA so late into the war and so easily. Mm. They were concerned that he might be a spy, and after hours of interrogation, Edward was free to go. They believed his story. He was, however, not left alone. The Americans wanted him for information, and he was happy to give it. He was an information goldmine on the Führer as a boy. He told them as much as he knew about the young Hitler, and even wrote an article called My Patient Hitler. 
It was a fascinating insight into the dictator. Not many people knew about his early years. He'd hidden it from everyone. All biographies shied away from his past, but there was an opportunity to glimpse into his childhood. The story of Edward treating Hitler's mother and her passing away from cancer is one of the reasons why people believe today that Hitler hated the Jews so much. We know that now as being possibly untrue. It was like, you know, oh, a Jewish doctor killed his mother. Well, no, we know that's not accurate, so that's not where that comes from. It's thought that his hatred was developed later in life after the First World War. One theory is that during the interwar years, many Jewish folk prospered and he saw that as them benefiting from the fall of Germany and then believed them for being the reason why Germany was defeated in the first place. Now, one thing I do find interesting, and I, I want to open this up to you, is the hypocrisy of Hitler's hatred. There is a well-known radio presenter in the UK called James O'Brien, who talks a lot about migrants crossing the channel, racism in the UK, Brexit, blah blah blah. And he points out that a lot of racists are racist to people they don't know. They hate migrants wishing to better their lives by risking it all on a dinghy in a channel, but they're okay with the brown guy who they work with. Like, you're okay, I don't mind you. And Hitler has a similar thing. He claims that all Jews are bad, blah blah blah, but this one's alright. Now, I'm starting to think that Hitler's hatred of Jews was not as black and white as normally told, mainly because I don't just, just don't know really where it stems from. Um... But yeah, I kind of wanted to open that up to you because racists are a bit stupid because they'll likely work with someone who is of colour and they're okay with that person. But then like someone they don't know, they're like, oh, fuck them. They've got awful things to say. No, it is interesting. I saw a quote the other day. I forget who it was by, but it was literally immigrants are just people from a different location. Yeah, that's it. Like That's it. There's nothing more to it. Yeah. Which is wild that people harbour so much hatred. I remember a video, it was years ago, in um, it was in America, obviously, because it's the only place where this video could ever take place. And they were going around saying, um, shall we bomb, I think it was Agrabah? Is that the town in Aladdin? The place in Aladdin, Agrabah? It's something okay, like that. Right. And without thinking, Americans were like, yeah, bomb it. <laughs> and wow. they were, just because it sounds Arabic. Yeah. It's a fictional fucking, it's got flying carpets and genies. But they were like, yeah, no problem, bomb it. <laughs> Just because it, it, it's different and it's... It was also exemplified in the UK as well. Um, obviously, nowadays, you've got the refugees on the barge with legionnaires and all that sort of stuff. That's a whole debate. Um, and yet, when the war in Ukraine started, we were one of the first countries to be like, come over, we'll open up our homes to you and start yeah. a campaign called Homes for Ukraine. Where the fuck's homes for Syria? Homes for Afghanistan? Homes for fucking Yemen? It doesn't mm. exist. And those are wars that we have been directly involved in, supplying arms and bombing the shit out of people. And yeah. anyone that argues that it's not because people from the Middle East are of a different skin colour are liars. That's what it comes down to. And also because they have a different religion. Mm. That's it. There's nothing, yeah. nothing else to it. People are just scared of cultures that are different, which is wild because different cultures are exciting. British culture fucking sucks. Yeah, yeah. I I've always found it a bit weird that um, like football fans will shout racist abuse at the opposition team's players who yeah. are from other countries, and yet they'll celebrate and love their star striker who happens to be black. And yeah, this goal. happens in it happens in Italy a lot because Italy is quite it's got it's got a big racism issue, especially in football. And yet some of the best players that play in Italy are black. And they'll get racially abused every single game from the opposition fans, be adored by the other fans. 
And mm. yet there it, 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 there's so much bollocks around it. But I think to contextualize it with Hitler, yeah, I think it is hypocritical. If he's got a problem with Jewish people, he's got a problem with Jewish people. You can't single them out. I, th- I think the reason you touched on is why he hated it was because they were prospering. Because obviously, I think he touched on it in Mein Kampf a little bit. I haven't read it, so I don't know. But I think he touched on all the world's banks being owned by Jewish families. Mm. I think the Rothschilds were mentioned. I th- Maybe I'm talking out my ass. I think. But they're a Jewish family. Mm. Um, and obviously Germany was fucked. Let's be honest, the Treaty of Versailles was unfair. It, it straight was. That was it was an awful thing to do to Germany. Because um, did they deserve? Did Germany start World War One? No. No. Like they're always they're always blamed for it, but they didn't fucking start it. Um, so Germany were fucking fucked. And to see Jewish people going like doing well, it would make you angry. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Don't no. don't, ki- don't kill them all. Yeah. No, I hear that. Now, I, I know it's a bit of a hot take to sort of say, you know, maybe Hitler's hatred of Jewish people wasn't black and white. Um, I know it's a bit of a hot take to say that, and I don't really want to take that away from anyone. You know, the fact that he was an arsehole, and he led a regime that killed millions of Jews, Romas, people of LGBTQ+, and all that stuff, right? Um, but I do like this theory that Hitler was himself actually part Jewish, because um, it's there's a theory out there and i think it's been relatively debunked now but that his father alois was an illegitimate child of a jewish man um now maybe that's what pissed him off yeah now as as we know like in terms of how judaism sort of works it follows in a female line so it necessarily wouldn't work but he still his father yeah. still would have been part jewish so that would still have made him part jewish but yeah like i said i think that's been relatively debunked which is a bit of a shame but that would have been fun and ironic Speaking about Judaism for a minute, I find the whole religion is fascinating. Being like the kitchens, they'll have to have two of everything because I, I forget what it is, but you can't cook like meat with dairy or something or fish has to be separate, something like that. Um, and the female line is really interesting. My housemate last year um, was dating a friend of mine who is Jewish, comes from a Jewish family. And whether his family liked her or not, I don't really know, we didn't really get into it, but obviously she wasn't Jewish. So she would have had to convert because any children mm. they had wouldn't have been jewish because it's passed down through the mother which is yeah. fascinating because to me like religion's not a race it's something you choose yeah. in my head yeah like, i would agree maybe that's just that's just my atheist mind talking like you can believe in a god whether you want to or not if i wanted to convert to islam tomorrow I'd, like no problem i can it's one of those so I now, find that really interesting it's one of those now that i think um uh, uh jewish people are considered a race now uh, mainly because obviously Judaism has been around for so long that many Jewish people obviously intermarry with other Jewish people, um, and they've now def- they now have like some defined characteristics about them. Um, Interesting, which make them a race. Um, I don't know that off the top of my head. If someone does know, honestly, like I'm more than happy to learn. Like, do tell us if we're being ignorant about this. Um, but yeah, it's fascinating because yeah, most people try to be like, no, it's the whole argument being like Zionism and Israel and all this kind of shit. It's like. Well, no, but Israel's a, Israel's a political entity as a country, and then some people are saying, well, no, it's a Jewish home that has been a home for thousands and thousands of years, and to separate that is to separate the religion and the home. It's it's tricky. Israel is a hot topic. It is a hot topic, and it's not one we're going to touch. So, <laughs> Edward would do okay in New York City. Unfortunately, he couldn't practice medicine in the USA since his credentials were not recognised. Can we just take a second to acknowledge as well that you could be a homeopathic doctor in the USA and they were like, yeah, that's fine. But they didn't recognise a legit doctor when they saw one. Um, they were like, he couldn't practise medicine. It's weird. That now, is strange. Edward would live out the rest of his life in New York City with his daughter and his wife. He would suffer with stomach cancer, which would eventually take his life. But he would live long enough to see 
or hear the news that Adolf Hitler had killed himself in his bunker on April 30th, 1945. Edward would pass away just over a month later on June the 1st, 1945, aged 73. I find it so fascinating how interlinked their lives are. Yeah, yeah, they really are. No, they can't. They died very similar as well. Like not similar in how they died, but very, <laughs> like soon after. Yeah, who would have thought that that boy that walked through his doctor's office door would go on to do some mad things? Mad stuff. Like that's the thing that's like been so fascinating about like the story as a whole is that like here's this young man who you know he cares about his mum. They're not really well off and. Yeah, he just helps him out, looks after him, and then this kid disappears for a while, goes off to Germany, and he comes back as the Führer. And you're like, what? What? You're the little kid in the lederhosen's and the feather in his hat, and you're now like, you don't like me. <laughs> that's, the, that's impact, weird. The, the impact as well that Hitler had on not only the world then, but the world now is wild. Because he was the first politician to campaign how he did, and clearly it worked. And now if you look at particularly American politics where everything's a bit more flamboyant, like, that is what he did, 101. You dream mm. and shout a little bit, you, you pin the blame on someone else. Like, I'm not going to take we, I'm not gonna take a political stance here because maybe we have listeners from both, but, like, Biden will have done it. Trump definitely did it. You, mm. you, you sort of anger people and rouse people up against others. Biden did it against the Republicans, et cetera, et cetera. Like, the fact that people take notes from hitler's <laughs> political campaigning is really interesting because he was very good at what he did mm. i think we, we made that very clear in the four part episode like he was yeah he's like very the, good he's, he's the forefront he's the forerunner of modern politicians yeah absolutely and the godfather of modern politics <laughs> if he put his way. mind to something more i don't know what to say something better what could he have achieved he would have been one hell of a leader he i mean he was well, a good leader whether whether you liked his actions or not hopefully you don't well this is the thing because many people would say like you know what's the pros and the cons of dictatorship and obviously the con is hitler right but then at the same time the pro is hitler because arguably you'd say under hitler because he's a dictator and he says what i say goes things got done you know they built roads they built infrastructure they built cars they built a military they, they did a lot yeah. um I, like I'm not a fucking Hitler sympathist or anything like <laughs> that. I don't want that to sound like that. But you know, it's one of those where they say you know things. It's one of those in theory dictators do work, but then in theory communism works. But in reality, it never fucking does. Yeah, there is that argument, isn't there? That in some countries, some countries need a dictator, specifically like Middle Eastern countries. They do well under dictatorships. Yeah, well, the whole it's point only of dictators. When... The, the whole point of dictators, wasn't it, was the Roman thing, that a dictator would come in who would just take charge of the nation for a, during a time of crisis, and then when the crisis was over, they would go back to doing what they were doing before. And that's the story of Sisyphus, isn't it? Sisyphus was that Roman general or something who he, he became dictator, and then he stepped down, became a farmer, lived his own quiet life, and then during a time of crisis, they went, we need you back. So he became dictator again done everything that he needed to do and then again stepped down and went back to his farming with and because it's i think that's his name sisyphus because he's the guy that um boris johnson quoted when he did his farewell speech in the house of commons thanks <laughs> as if he would be coming back yeah i, I mean i think 
Rome is a fantastic example of dictatorship, of why it can work, because you look at people like Augustus and Marcus Aurelius, like, wow. Mm. And then you look at people like Nero and Caligula, and like, mm, okay, maybe it doesn't work. You've got to make sure that it's the right person, but who's to decide who the right person is? Because everyone's got different agendas. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I suppose at the end of the day, like, I suppose that's why democracy sort of rules now, but then it's also a bad thing. Democracy is fairer, but democracy is slower. Democracy can suck my balls at the minute, and I'll tell you why. Because I've been getting really, like, annoyed at the UK, because the wages here are shit. If you're thinking of moves, the UK don't, the, the salaries here are not good, and the cost of living is continuously going up and salaries are not matching it, so people, more people are being plunged into poverty. So I was like, I want to move abroad, like Germany, to live. Like the wages are fucking good. The like healthcare, I think, is better. Um, it just seems like a better place to live. Can I live there? Can I fuck? Because people voted Brexit. That uh, that yeah. that right was just take taken away from me. Uh, like from by people, some people who voted it are dead now, and others have no intention of moving. They've just taken a right away from me for no reason. Mm. It, it it's absolutely yep. sickening. Oh, I've been getting hard, so angry. Man. I've also been getting angry at the people that ha- didn't vote for that because that every day becomes clearer that, that was the most important vote that we'll ever take part in. And we got it so bad. We did so bad. Mm. It was so dumb. There's no point to it. You ask a Brexiteer now, what have we gained? They'll argue some fucking nonsense, but none of it is coherent. Mm. Blue passports, James. Blue passports. My blue pa- It's smaller. I couldn't give a shit about it. I, I turned up in, where was I? I went to Germany, yeah. I went to, sorry, my brain fart. I went to Germany. I had to stand in a longer queue because we weren't in the EU anymore. Mm. What what are, we, what are we doing? And then you fly back to the UK. We don't have just UK queues in airports. We have EU and UK together. What, so the Europeans are like, well, you can like queue separately, you scumbags. Whereas we're like, no, we'll keep it the same. We're not even being petty about it. Yeah. It make oh, it oh, it boils my piss. I don't know how we've gotten to Brexit <laughs> from Hitler, but I maybe know. we needed a dictator to say no. Yeah, if I was well, dictator of England, we'd be back in Europe, and then we'd be a democracy again. Oh, right, so you'd step down after that and be like, yeah, yeah. I'd give all power to Europe to really piss people off. Mm. Maybe we need King Charles to sort of pull his finger out. Yeah. Absolutely. So, oh, we don't need these Europeans lording it up over us. How were they lording it up over us? Was a Frenchman coming and spitting in your face every day? It doesn't make sense. Maybe we should enact them old, uh, them old, old laws. Maybe we're allowed to shoot a Frenchman with a longbow from oh, certain yards away. We should yeah, start probably. doing that again. Yeah. <laughs> that's just... what Brexit was about. <laughs> I just, I don't get it, man. But anyway, that's my fucking rant. I don't know how we got there, but... I have no idea how we got there, but... Edward Block. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, the doctor. <laughs> the doctor's dead. Uh, it's a fascinating story, a fascinating story, how not many people knew about that, but, like, you know, apparently Hitler did have a heart somewhere, like the Grinch. It's just so many times too small. Oh, he was a dickhead, wasn't he? I'd, I wonder yeah. if they, they, it's a shame that they didn't really get hold of his body because they really needed to study his brain for science. Yeah, although he did put a bullet in it, so. Yeah, that's true. Or poison, depending on what story. But, like, I'm convinced that he had some sort of mental ailment. You can't do what he did. Apparently he had Parkinson's disease. Right. It's the theory that I've I've 
fairly recently discovered is that he had Parkinson's disease because you see in a lot of his videos he keeps a lot of his hands behind his back and it's to stop his hands shaking so much because obviously fairness, we know that yeah I have seen videos of him there physically shaking and some people yeah. argue that it's because he's on drugs so he is he is on a lot of drugs a lot of amphetamines um, there's a really good documentary about uh, Hitler's doctors uh, during the war and the amount of drugs that he is on just to sort of stay awake and keep on it is incredible like how he's still awake it's 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 a it's a baffling um but you'll see a lot of videos of him and he's, his hand is shaking which i think is why in the film downfall there's that moment where he's, he's trembling as he takes yeah, his yeah. glasses off like it be, it's thought that he had a parkinson's disease um which is why he made a lot of dodgy mistakes and and um uh, decisions and they there's a theory that the whole russia thing the reason why russia failed so much is because he was so invested in being a part of it himself but obviously he's not a military man and he was also making a lot of fucking weird decisions because he's he's on a fuckload of drugs and he's ill and he that's fought why it too, all went wrong. yeah he fought on too many fronts why he invaded russia is a mystery yeah because one of the things as well was obviously they went for stalingrad which is now volgograd right and they were like this has no strategic importance to us and he was like yeah yeah, yeah but it would like kick him in the face wouldn't it to be like oh we got your hometown like that's named after you and it's like yeah, yeah but it's not relevant to us and it's like ah yeah but got his name in it <laughs> if he put all of his effort into not invading russia and invading england it would have been so different i mean yeah there's so many things i mean if you've seen oppenheimer you'll know that the only end to world war Two was an allied victory because even if germany had gone so far as claiming the rest of europe they would have dropped the a-bomb on berlin that was the intention that's a, so that that's would a... have happened that is the wild thing about Oppenheimer, isn't it? The fact that they that the plan was to drop it on Germany. Germany surrenders. They were like, oh, but we still want to drop it. Like, we can't not. Yeah. Bro, we spent so much fucking money on this. We're going to use it. <laughs> and then Hiroshima was picked specifically because it was flat and they just wanted to see sort of what it does. Yeah. So, Mad. like, make no mistake. I, I, love, I love alternate history videos and things. But make no mistake, that A-bomb was going to be dropped on Germany if... Hitler hadn't killed himself and Germany hadn't surrendered. That was happening. That yeah. was happening. That was the end result. Yeah. Imagine that. A nuke being dropped on Central Europe. Poor. That would have done some devastation. I mean, the Germans are very industrious people. They would have rebuilt well. But. Yeah. Yeah, that would that would have been. I mean, I wasn't there. I, I didn't see watch, it, but it would have been might, interesting. I might look for a video after this. It'd be like, what would have happened if... Germany had had the nuke dropped on them because I just imagine everyone would have been shit scared of America and you can imagine like how much that would have fucked over Europe for so long America would have become the enemy I think the only reason America wasn't the enemy after the second world war is because they dropped it on Japan it was so far away and I don't give a fuck I think if it's dropped on Europe as well Russia would be like what are you doing yeah yeah ah can you imagine can you imagine a world where America would have just become the next fucking villain after Nazi Germany like because they dropped the bomb on the wrong fucking people are america the villains now well hey that's something to question if you're from the middle east absolutely yes they are if you're from mm. england no not really we're cool special relationship isn't it it is a special relationship i again getting a visa there's fucking impossible so i don't know what's special about it the only place we oh, can, i'm sorry this is hot on my mind at the minute. i'm going to run about again the only place that's really feasible for english people to move to is canada or australia yeah that's it and that's because they're still in the Commonwealth. Yeah, Australia, like, is fucking easy. Like, I could go tomorrow if I wanted to. Like, apply for a visa mm. now. 
Canada's mm. a bit harder. America, you need to sacrifice a virgin to fucking Zeus, and it's it's so <laughs> hard. I looked into it. Yeah. Would would I move to America? That's another conversation. Maybe not. But then I am interested, so I think I would for a little bit. But anyway, it's hard. Europe is now nigh on impossible because they're just being petty against England. Why wouldn't they? Mm. Australia and Canada are the only feasible places. I'm not mad about it. They're both lovely countries, but... Uh, I mean, half the reason Americans don't want us Brits back in there is they're they're too scared. Too many Brits will take over again. We have (laughs) I can vouch for all of us when I say we have no interest whatsoever. (laughs) Like, none. No, that place is fucked up. Uh, The War of Independence was a victory for us because we got (laughs) out of there. We just left all the crazy ones in America. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I think that's a good a good place to finish. That was out. Wow. If you got to this point, <laughs> I'm not a lot. Who'd have thought? 1945. Edward Block dies 70 something, and then they've gone. How is there still 20 minutes left? <laughs> I've I've just fin I've just finished work. I haven't had dinner yet, so that's my mental state at the minute. Yeah, dude, need to decompress yeah. um all right right well uh next episode i haven't fully decided and i don't know whether i want to say it out loud who i want to do because if i don't do it is that going to upset everyone what do you think I'm, i mean i really need to i'm a man who needs information so you need to tell me now okay right so it, oh if you don't know already um if you head over to the patreon and you subscribe to the patreon there is a um what's the word i'm looking for what's the word what is it like a I, thing you can vote ah vote. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like you a can poll vote you, a poll where you can vote on future episodes right so if you uh, want to know um there are a couple of there's three uh, episodes that you can choose from head over to patreon subscribe and you can vote on the future episode that we do and i've got some juicy people on there so they will get done at some point but you have to tell us what order anyway um the next person i want to talk about but i fear it might be big and it's it's going to take a while because it's my birthday next week so i'm going to be a bit busy um is a guy called pedro rodriguez filio have you ever heard of him never if I show you a picture now, do you, do you recognize this guy at all? No. No? Okay. This guy is like the serial killer of serial killers. This guy just straight up murders bad people. That's it. And it's a fascinating oh. story. No, that sounds juicy. Yeah, do that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, do, that, that's what the people want. That's what I want. Do that. That sounds good. That's what we want. All right. So next week's going to be that guy, Pedro, uh, who who murders murderers. Um, yeah, that alrighty. sounds well interesting. All right, so look forward to that on the next episode. Um, thank you very much for listening, everyone. We massively appreciate it. Please do subscribe to the Patreon. I've mentioned it a few times. Do support us on Patreon. It will help us out. We've got some um, ideas and like things that we want to do uh, as sort of September hits. Um, this is it. Like, we need summer out of the way. Honestly, we need kids to fuck off and go back to school because everywhere is busy when they're out of the uh-huh. way. Things can happen. Yeah, and uh, as soon as as soon as we've got that sort of locked down and out the way we can start working on some bits um so yeah we've got some really cool things we want to do so if you can help us on patreon that would obviously help us create the content and then you get to go see that um so yeah thank you very much for watching listening and we will see you on the next one goodbye
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.